Hi, welcome. Thanks for joining us again. Listen, we're in this month of January that we're calling a month of encounter. What do we mean by that? Our heart and our dream for everyone that's connected to Family Church in any way is that during January, they would be having very real, fresh, life-changing encounters with Jesus. We started speaking about this last week, and just to recap briefly, we, um, we looked at a couple of things and we saw that every one of us, what we actually need in our life, sometimes we can all say, I need this, I need that, especially in our Christianity. But the reality is what we all need is just a fresh encounter with God. Why? Because a fresh encounter with God brings us a fresh actuality, a reality of who he is in our lives. Let's face it, we all need that, don't we? That moment where we just sense him, encounter him, and he moves from being concept, ideology, theology in our lives, to being somebody that's very real, present, with us, for us. We spoke last week about Bethel moments, referring to that moment that Jacob experienced in the book of Genesis, where he was walking as somebody that believed in God, But in this moment at this place called Bethel, in a dream, God came to him in a very real way. And when he woke up, he was suddenly changed because God was more real to him. God's presence with him was suddenly more real than what it had been before. That's our prayer for you and for me. I want moments with God, Bethel moments, where suddenly the reality of God, the actuality of God in my life, goes to a whole new level. Also, what happened to Jacob that day was he had an awakening. It's amazing that when you read the story of Jacob at Bethel, he's in a dream, he's asleep. God is ministering to him in a dream. And then all of a sudden it says, and then Jacob woke up. I believe that we're in a moment, all of us, where the Spirit of God is awakening us from certain conditions of slumber we may have known. Come on, when you've walked with the Lord a number of years, it's so easy to go into a go-through-the-motions mode, isn't it? But then the Holy Spirit comes because he's so kind, so patient, and he awakens our hearts, and it's like we've just woken up. That's my prayer, like I said, for myself, but also for every person that's connected to Family Church, that we would have moments that feel like awakening moments. I want to speak today and continue these thoughts by speaking of fresh encounters. The truth is that God wants each of us to have fresh encounters, not just live from previous ones we may have known. Like I said last week, we're believing that over the course of January, some people will encounter Jesus for the first time. Others will encounter him in a fresh way, but others will encounter him in a way that's greater than ever before. Sometimes we've got a purpose in our hearts that we're going to forget what lays behind. I'm reminded of those verses in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, where Paul says, forgetting what lays behind, reach forward, reach forward for the new. You know, sometimes when we speak about forgetting what lays behind, it can be about negative things, can't it? Things that went wrong in our life, so that happened, but I'm forgetting it now. But sometimes, actually, we need to dare to forget some of the great things that were great in their moment, but actually now God's wanting to do 
greater things in our life. Now, it's brilliant when you speak to people and they say, I had an encounter with Jesus 20 years ago. I had an encounter with God 12 years ago. I had an encounter with God 40 years ago. That's wonderful. The legacy of that is brilliant. But actually, the legacy of what you've encountered previously with God must be replaced with something that's a fresh encounter. Not that that despises what you've known before, but actually you're having an ongoing encounter with God where there's a freshness in the moment that you're in, not just in the one that you had. So we honor the legacy of previous encounters with God, but we must hunger new and fresh ones. Here's the good news today. We can't live on yesterday's bread. Why? Because we were made in our original design. We were made by God for fresh encounters. We were made for fresh manna. We were made that we would experience God, not once in our life at a moment of salvation, but throughout our life, walking, talking, changing us. That's what I'm hungry for. Now, just as we need physical daily bread, we also need spiritual daily bread or continued encounters of Jesus. When we speak about physical food, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? That you can't live on the food or the bread that you had two months ago. No, we have to have fresh bread, fresh food, and that's a daily thing. In the same way, God wants us to experience the fresh bread of who he is, fresh encounters with him. Remember in the Lord's Prayer when we read Matthew 6, the Lord instructs us to actually pray, give me today my daily bread. Now, when we pray that prayer, I don't believe that's just about physical food, though it includes that. It's a good prayer to pray. I pray that most days. Thank you, Lord, that you give me today my daily bread. But when I'm praying that, I'm not just speaking of natural food for me and my family, but I'm also speaking of the manna of heaven, the bread of heaven, the spiritual nourishment, nutrition that I need on a daily basis. Now, fresh bread, it's natural to want what's fresh. It's not natural to settle for what is stale or left over. How many times do we do that? But instead of encountering God on a fresh um, experience or going after God for a fresh experience of him. We settle for something that we knew, something that once happened, when actually God isn't wanting us to live off of stale experience of what he once did. God doesn't want us lifting, uh, living off of leftovers. He wants us to be enjoying the fresh bread of who he is. Now, what's interesting is Jesus is compared to many things in the Gospels. Actually, Jesus says of himself many things. He calls himself a good shepherd, calls himself the door to the Father, calls himself the true vine. But another of the things that Jesus says of himself is that he's the bread of heaven, that he's God's bread for us to enjoy. 
I want to read from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. I'm going to read from verses 30 to 35, and then verses 48 to 51. Because Jesus here introduces himself to the Pharisees, to those who were listening to him then, but also today to us as we read it again. He introduces himself as the fresh bread that God wants us to experience. It says, so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? See, this is the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they're quizzing Jesus. What are you going to do, Jesus, to prove that you're the Son of God? To prove that you are who you say you are? And then they said, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. So he was saying to them, this isn't about God's people and Moses. This is about God's people and God. God provides the manna and the bread that they need. And then he says in verse 33, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's speaking of himself, isn't he? And then they said in verse 34, Sir, they said, Sir, always give us this bread. They said, Sir, this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. They're saying, give us this bread that you're speaking of that comes down from heaven. Our ancestors had manna. Look, this bread that you're speaking of, sir, let us know it. And he said, I am this bread that comes down from heaven. And then in verse 48, he says again, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread. I am the fresh bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. So here Jesus is saying, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, God's people knew a supernatural bread called manna that God provided on a daily basis to sustain them and give them what they need. But now, in this new covenant, we're no longer looking to the manner that God provided for a group of people for a certain period of time. But now we're saying, no, the bread that has come down from heaven for us is Jesus. So when we encounter Jesus, we encounter an experience, not the manner of Exodus 16, but the manner and the bread that God provides for us to know today. Now, it's interesting when you read through Exodus 16, and those are the chapters that speak about this miracle bread called manna. You see, God had brought the children of Israel out of captivity, and he had a plan to bring them into the promised land. 
And there was this period of time, because of their disobedience, they didn't enter the promised land like God intended for them to. So there was, there was this moment of traveling around in a wilderness. But God's faithfulness, even in their disobedience, was he provided bread for them. And this bread was called manna. It wasn't made in a bakery. You can read about it in Exodus 16. It says, as the dew rose in the morning, there would be this layer of bread-like food that was nutritious, delicious, even though the children of Israel still had rebellion in their heart and hungered the food of Egypt. God provided them bread by the morning and meat by the night. He provided them water, sometimes from a rock, shoes that never wore out. The providence of God was with the children of Israel, even though they didn't really appreciate it. But there were some rules with this bread that God provided. It was called manna. And they were to gather it every day. And this was because God wanted them to experience his provision and his goodness. But he also wanted them to walk in a dependence on him. And so every day they were to go out with a jar and collect enough manna for them and their household. And there was always enough manna to fill no matter how many were in the household. But he specifically said, I don't want you to go out and store enough for the next week or the next month. There was one day where they were allowed to store extra because of the Sabbath. But the rules of God was, I am going to provide bread from heaven manna. You can collect it every day so it's fresh manna. It's not stale manna. It's not leftover manna. And he said, if you try and store this manna, it'll actually go rotten in the jar. And it did because some people tried to store the manna. And just as God promised it would, it went rotten in the jar. Why? Because God was giving them fresh bread every day. He wanted them to experience fresh manna every day as they walked in dependence on him. In the same way, I believe that that's a type and a shadow for us today. God has given us the true bread of heaven, which is Jesus. But sometimes people settle for an experience they had of Jesus two years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. And that's not the plan of God for a person, just as that wasn't the plan of God for the children of Israel as they gathered fresh manna every morning. God wants us to walk in a dependency with him where we're not living off of a memory of experiencing or encountering God days, weeks, years ago, but we're saying, Lord, be fresh today. God, I want the fresh bread of who you are today. Jesus, you are the bread that's come down from heaven. You said of yourself, and it's true, you are the bread of heaven the bread that the Father has sent that doesn't sustain us for a moment as we walk the earth, but actually sustains us forever. Now, Jesus is still this bread from heaven, and we need to say, God, I'm going after fresh bread. So this month of January is going to be a month where I say, thank you for the encounters in my past. But God, thank you today. I desire fresh bread. Have you ever had a moment where you've eaten stale bread? It's not nice, is it? You're hungry, you fancy a sandwich, and you go into the fridge, or you go to prepare a sandwich, and you reach for the bread, and suddenly it's rock hard, it's like chipboard, it's like wood. Nobody wants to eat or enjoy stale bread. The only thing that stale bread is good for is making stuffing at Christmas, isn't it? Or making some sort of bread pudding. 
It's not what you want for daily nourishment. In the same way, God wants us to experience the fresh bread of who he is. And the reality is, when you taste the fresh bread of Jesus each day, each week, each month, suddenly you realize he tastes really good. Now, like I said, we've all had stale bread. We've all had bread that's gone past its sell-by date. But I'm sure we've all also had bread that was fresh baked. Have you ever had fresh bread that's come out of the oven? Have you ever eaten bread when it's just been cooked? I mean, it's so fresh, the butter is melting on it. That's delicious. When you taste that, I don't know about you, whenever I taste fresh bread, I want more. I'm not satisfied with that one taste. I want more. Now, that's the same as what it should be with us and Jesus. Remember, Jesus is the bread that's come down to, from heaven that we're not to experience once in our lifetime, but on a daily basis, continued encounters. I love what it says in Proverbs chapter 34, verse 8. It says, taste and see the Lord is good. Now, when it comes to encountering Jesus, a person really does have to taste him for themselves. When you're telling others about Jesus, there aren't enough words to adequately describe how incredible an encounter with Jesus is. You just have to encourage them to try him for themselves. Reminds me of a time when I first tasted a dessert in an Italian restaurant called Panna Cotta. And I'd never eaten this dessert. It's quite yogurty, quite creamy. It's like set cream. And it's called panna cotta. And I can remember seeing it on the menu. And I said to my friends who were at the restaurant with me, what's panna cotta taste like? They tried to describe it. And they couldn't quite describe it. And then I said to the waiter, come on, what does panna cotta, I'm interested in eating panna cotta. What does it taste like? They tried to describe it. And in the end, the waiter said to me, you know what? You're going to need to taste it for yourself. So I ordered the panna cotta, this Italian dessert. I ate it. And then I said to the waiter afterwards, that was a good answer. There's no way I could put into words the flavor of that dessert. When it comes to Jesus, We've got to help people and we've got to purpose ourselves that we're going to live lives that are ever tasting how good he is for ourselves, not living off of other people's stories. Now, a taste is an interesting thing because a taste is a momentary experience. Now, when it comes to Jesus, what I've discovered in my life is when you taste him, just like it says in Proverbs 34, you taste and see the Lord is good, but you don't walk away and not want any more. I remember finishing that panna cotta. I can remember the first time I tasted a tiramisu, another Italian dessert. I wanted more. An appetite grew in me that said, Andy, want more of that. That's what's, what it's like when you encounter the fresh bread of Jesus on a daily basis. You don't walk away and go, oh, that'll do me for another 20 years. But something says, come on, I want more of that. I want more of him. I love it in John 7. Verse 38, you see Jesus at this great feast standing up and saying to people, if you're thirsty or hungry, come and drink of me. Come and experience me. Come and encounter me. And after one taste of encountering me, not religion, me, out of your innermost being 
will flow rivers of living water. My prayer for Family Church and everyone that's connected to Family Church is that we would go in hot pursuit of a fresh encounter of Jesus. But when we have a fresh encounter with Jesus, which we will, because he always satisfies the hungry heart with good things, that taste wouldn't go into the historic record of previous tastes, but it would fire in us a fresh pursuit that keeps us wanting fresh bread. So we've spoken about encounter. We've spoken about how God wants us to encounter him. We've spoken how we shouldn't live off of stale bread, but have fresh encounters with the bread of heaven, Jesus. But actually, we need to understand that sometimes there's some enemies to encounter, aren't there? We may have somewhat of a desire. God, yes, I want to encounter you in a new way. But sometimes there's things that become enemies or roadblocks to encountering. I, I want to talk about just three of those today, and they all start with P. The first one, this is a roadblock or an enemy to you encountering more of God. Pride. Pride. Pride is an enemy to a person wanting a fresh encounter with God. Why? Because like it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, God will always resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God don't do pride is another way of putting that. If you want a fresh encounter with Jesus, if you want to say, yes, Lord, I want the fresh bread of an encounter with you, make sure your approach is one of humility, not false humility, true humility, where you leave pride behind and you just come in the innocence of humility and say, God, I just want more of you. I can remember when my children were young, especially Ethan, we used to play fight and sometimes he'd be swinging his hands, but he couldn't touch me. He can now because he's about six foot five. But when he was a child, I used to just put my hand on his forehead and he used to swing and he couldn't touch me. That's what I see when I think of God resisting the proud. But when it says he gives grace to the humble, I see him taking him, the person in their arms and lifting them to a higher place. Okay, the second P that can be an enemy to us encountering God in a fresh way, we've spoken of this before, it's procrastination. It's when you know that you need a fresh encounter, but you keep putting it off to another day. Come on, don't put it off to another day. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of fresh encounter. You know, procrastination says, ah, oh, I know I need this, and I really somewhat want it tomorrow, next week, next month. And what happens with procrastination is you turn around a year later and then you realize you never actually arrived at where you wanted to arrive. So let's shake off pride. In this month of January where we're saying, God, we want fresh encounters with you, let's shake off procrastination. What if you did that with natural food? Oh, I know I need to eat, but I'll do it next week. That wouldn't be good for your health. In the same way, when we do that with God, with Jesus, the bread of heaven, it's not good for our spiritual health. Imagine if a woman with the issue of blood, we read about her in the Gospels, she was a lady that encountered Jesus in a fresh way. Imagine if this lady would have said, I've got an issue of blood. I desperately need an encounter with Jesus. But you know what? I just can't do it today. I just, I'm not going to do it today. Her procrastination would have robbed her from the miracle 
that God had in his heart for her. Let's not be like that. Let's be a people in pursuit, not a people who procrastinate. And then the final P, again, I've spoken of this before, is the P that we call passivity. Pride is an enemy of a fresh encounter with Jesus. Procrastination is an enemy to a fresh encounter with Jesus. But so is passivity. When we're passive, when you know you need it, and you have an element of wanting a fresh encounter. But unlike procrastination when you put it off, in passivity you say, I know I should, but you know what? I really can't be bothered. Again, imagine Zacchaeus. We've spoken of him a couple of times. He had in him a desire to see Jesus, to encounter Jesus. But he didn't have a passive heart. Zacchaeus was a short man, so he climbed a tree. Why? Because he wanted a fresh encounter with this Jesus that he'd heard about. What if he'd sat at the bottom of a tree going, oh, no, I should, but I can't be bothered. If he would have had a passive spirit, he would have missed out on Jesus coming to his house to eat with him. When you speak about being passive, it could also be the word slothfulness and I don't know if you've ever seen a creature called a sloth or a sloth wherever you're watching from but they're very unusual lazy creatures and they're quite comical to watch because they sit in a tree and they make everything look like a big effort if ever you see a sloth it's in a tree and it knows it needs to scratch its head but it takes hours to just get its hand to its head so it can scratch Sadly, that's what many Christians are like in their pursuit of God. They have an appetite, but the appetite isn't strong enough to make them lay aside a lazy, apathetic, complacent, passive, passive way of living and get a run in their shoes. But I believe you will. Listen to what the Bible says of slothfulness. Three verses. Number one, Proverbs 19, verse 15 slothfulness or being like a sloth when it comes to God casts a person into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger wow so according to this scripture slothfulness being passive will cause a person to experience hunger that's physical but also spiritual let's make sure we're not being passive but we're being hungry for more of God and then in Romans 12, verse 11, it says, Do not be slothful or like a sloth in your zeal. Rather, be fervent in spirit. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And then in Proverbs 20, verse 4, it uses a different word. It uses the word sluggards, which reminds me of a slug. Slugs don't move very fast, do they? Sluggards do not plough in season. So at harvest time, they look, but they find nothing to eat. So let's be encouraged by these words. We lay aside pride. We step outside of procrastination. We say no to passivity because we don't want to be those who aren't satisfied by what God wants to do in this season of our life. We need to be people that actually wage war on passivity. I believe that one of the biggest enemies to the church at this time is a spirit of passivity where people can't be bothered.
They can't be bothered. They can't be bothered to worship. They can't be bothered to go to church regularly. They can't be bothered to join a small group. Can't you see that that's the spirit of passivity? We need to wage war, shake it off, especially in our pursuit of God, our personal pursuit of God. Come on, this is January, a January of fresh encounters. Join with me as we go into a fresh pursuit of everything that he is. Let's be a people who have a healthy appetite for fresh bread and position ourselves to get some. In closing, imagine what that would look like naturally if you had a desire for fresh bread. Either you would get up in the morning and make it, or you would position yourself outside the baker when the baker is making it. Let's be like that when it comes to God. Let's not be complacent, but rather hungry. God, I want to taste you in a new way. I want an awakening like Jacob had that awakens me to a fresh experience of who you are. I'm thankful for the encounters I've had in my past, but I'm desperate for one that's fresh for this moment and hour that I'm in. I hope that's encouraged you today. Like I said, throughout our congregations, to everyone that's connected to Family Church. We are praying for you. I'm praying for you every day. But this month would be a month where you have a first encounter, a fresh encounter, or the greatest encounter you've ever had with Jesus to date. The Lord bless you. See you again next week.